Dateline Jessum is next on the Gridley Wave Network. From the Chicago Bureau of the Bostonian Blade. Dateline Jessum. The Panthen Press Production. For fans of Edgar Rice Burroughs and Pulp Adventure, here's your host, Elmo. Welcome to show number 37. Thanks for joining me. I just returned from Dum Dum 2007 in Louisville, Kentucky. And the main event of that convention was the dedication of the Bob Hyde Collection at the University of Louisville's Ekstrom Library. Now that's the library that houses the largest collection of Burroughs material on this entire planet, and probably every other planet as well. The special guest speaker at that dedication was Bob Hyde's son, John Clayton Hyde. John was introduced by Delinda Bowie, curator of rare books at the Louisville Ekstrom Library. Just over a year ago, very close to Bob Hyde's June 25th birthday, or 25th birthday, John, that would be John Clayton Hyde, rolled up in a large truck packed full of his father's treasures. Often over the years, we have met with children of collectors who shrug off their parents' enthusiasm. The children of Bob Hyde, however, grew up with their father's collection almost like another much-loved, much older, but still growing sibling. My telephone conversations and emails with Susan, that would be Susan Jane, and Wendy, how would you escape, Wendy? (laughs) And John's 500-mile trek on a truck told me so much about this very special family and about the Bob Hyde Collection, Gift of Clarence B. Hyde. His first Tarzan coloring book in 1933 sparked young Bob Hyde's interest, and within four years, just around the age of 12, he was already a serious collector of newspaper and magazine clippings of anything by or related to Burroughs. By the age of 15, Bob Hyde, when he was not being Tarzan in the woods near his home, was corresponding with and encouraging other collectors. When Bob was on active duty in the Navy, he even enlisted a friend to carry on his clipping work. And even though 50 years later he told me about this, he was very gracious about the dozen pages that his friend had missed over the two years. I noticed that he remembered those lapses. Today, those original newspaper and magazine clippings, hundreds and hundreds of thousands more cents, boost the number of items by curator George McWhorter's count to around a million. As you all know, as you all experienced and worked with him, Bob Hyde, later with the cooperation and support of his lovely wife, lovely lady Alice, collected throughout his rich but not nearly long enough life. You all have seen the gems from the Bob Hyde collection. George could only fit in about 200 of the million, 
and I have no idea how he managed to choose from such riches, but they're on display in our Rare Books Gallery and are the exhibit that will be up to welcome our students when they return this fall. You find signed there photographs of actors portraying Tarzan, comics and clippings, toys, posters, memorabilia of Bob Hyde's friendships with the Burroughs family, and a stunning quantity of original art. I hope that you all know how thrilled we are to have you here with us today, to remember Bob, to welcome his family, and to celebrate with us the opening of this magnificent collection. And I also want to thank my colleague and dear friend, George McWhorter, who started the tradition of Burroughs in Louisville, and who made the Burroughs collections here, his own, the collections of Roy and Deela White. Roy and Deela, are you here? They're they 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 great friends and donors. Please give them my love when you see them. But George, you have made the Burroughs Collection your greatest achievement and a life rich with accomplishments. Thank you so much. <laughs> Wendy, Susan, John, and your family. Thank you so much for giving us the responsibility and the very great privilege of opening this gloriously vast collection, the Bob Hyde Collection, Gift of Clarence B. Hyde. It is the credit to the credit of the Burroughs Bibliophiles who have already so richly given to support this collection and provide the archival housing for it. The University of Louisville Community, which supports the Burroughs Collection, we thank you for giving this. It will still be your collection. It will always be the Bob Hyde collection, his collection. But now, because of your generosity, it's available not only to the Burroughs Bibliophiles, but to the whole world beyond. Thank you so much. We are fortunate to have with us today, among this great family, John Hyde, who will speak to us about his father and his collection. Angawa. <laughs> Thank you, Delinda, where ever she ran off to for those kind words. And I can only say, uh, before we begin on my father, a word about my mother. Uh, we put forth this effort on my father's behalf because we are the type of family that my mother raised. Um, And this is difficult, this is emotional. Uh, some laughed at uh, my ape word. Uh, well, actually, you all laughed at my ape <laughs> uh, And some knew what I was saying. Some didn't know what I was saying. But those of you that did probably said, well, he knows an ape word, but he doesn't really know when to use it. Um, I know that's not the formal greeting word. But that really is 
a way that will uh, that that exemplifies uh, my family's uh, relationship to uh, Burroughs Collecting. As Delinda said, my name is John Clayton. My sister's name is Susan Jane. But that did, doesn't make me Tarzan. And uh, so it is with our family. Everyone, everyone sitting here, and more, have their own uh, Tarzan collection, but not like any of, of your collections. Being Bob Hyde's kids has been unique. The three of us have talked, and, and, and I was elected spokesman for all three of us. I, uh, I want to thank the family for for uh, supporting all this and, uh, and working together to get this collection here and, and making this journey, especially the grandkids and, uh, and Bob's uh, sister-in-law, uh, Elna, we call her Aunt Elna, uh, for, making the, uh, for making the journey here today. One of the questions is, who was Bob Hyde? And perhaps we have uh, uh, no aside of him that that uh, is a little more private. He was not just a Navy seaman. He was a Navy officer. He was not just a college graduate, but a Yale graduate. He was not just a computer analyst, but a computer programmer, one of the first 13 programmers, one of the first 13 company employees that U.S. Steel selected to be sent to uh, computer school to learn how to program their first computer uh, as they transitioned from teletype machines to computers in 1954. And he was the last of the 13 to be employed at U.S. Steel. He retired at 64 and would have kept going, but he retired to take care of my mother who had cancer. And my father was not just a father and not just a Tarzan collector. He didn't do anything halfway, really. Uh, his children knew him as dad. He was not domineering, uh, not a harsh disciplinarian, but he was very uh, supportive and encouraging in almost any of <laughs> almost in any of our endeavors. He did have a quiet way of expressing himself, usually. Uh, he did not choose our careers, but gave full support to our choices. He was always devoted and loving to his kids and his wife. That's how we knew him. Uh, as a collector, I believe, we believe, uh, he carried himself in a similar manner. Uh, he would encourage uh, and support young collectors, and he ended up being like the white-haired Grand Poobah. Uh, no one was too small or no item too insignificant to uh, the Burroughs collecting world that uh, he wasn't willing to uh, put time into it. On the other side of the coin, uh, he's been described as a purist. Uh, he stood up for what was factually true. 
And when he knew a factual error had been made, he was compelled by whatever drove him inside to get that corrected. Sooner or later, in one form or another, he would be heard of and he would, uh, he would correct it. He never simply forgot things. I believe his dedication as a hunter and that quality as a purist is what built this collection that we have today. His enthusiasm and passion for Burroughs never waned for almost 70 years. As Delinda said, the first item he got in 33, and by 37, he says that's when he knew he was a collector. And it, it, it was a part of everything he did and everything he went, whether it was family vacations or uh, outings or business trips. In fact, I have a few stories I hope I won't bore you. Um, as a child, uh, I don't have this documented, I couldn't find documenting evidence of this. Uh, as a child, I'm saying somewhere between 10 and 15 years old, he came home from a business trip. I don't remember where, but he said, here, carry my bag in the house. And I went like this, and I couldn't even pick it up. Well, I said, what do you have in here? Bricks? He said, come on in, and I'll show you. Open up the suitcase, and what do you have? He had bricks. <laughs> he had bricks from, uh, and somebody will let me know later, I know. Uh, he had some bricks from, I'm believing, a fire in a warehouse in Los Angeles. I don't, I don't recall, but I do recall, I do recall him bringing bricks home on a business trip and putting the collection. <laughs> But after all, isn't that why we're here? This collection is one man's lifetime. A lifetime of passion, of pursuing, of hunting, of visiting bookstores and comic book stores, of studying, and of being the expert, and of being the example, and of being the president and the owner of this collection that we come to talk about today. My father's life uh, passion has made uh, for some interesting times and a few family stories. Uh, well, actually, the first one is not a family story. It comes from Jack Daly, who, by the way, is not feeling good and, and uh, had all intentions of being here uh, until about two or three days ago when he had the cancer. But uh, he gave me permission to, uh, to tell this story. Uh, when, when Jack was a young uh, kid in the late 30s, uh, Jack grew up in the Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania area. Uh, a lot of people would go in those days up to Lake Erie to vacation. There was an area up there called Geneva on the Lake. Uh, it, at at Geneva was a wooded area uh, off the midway near a uh, miniature golf course, which had very large oak trees. And one day he was walking with his girlfriend at the time, and a crowd gathered, was, was gathering near the woods, uh, including police. And uh, uh, he saw through the crowd that uh, 
as he says, his girlfriend said that uh, uh, there's somebody playing, uh, uh, I forget what she said he was, he was playing, but Jack corrected her and said, no, he's playing Tarzan. Uh, this, uh, this kid was dressed in a leopard skin and had a bow and a quiver, quiver of arrows and a wig. This boy was playing Tarzan and making a distraction and drawing a crowd. And Jack wanted to meet this kid, uh, being the, the, the enthusiast in, in Tarzan himself, but uh, the police kind of uh, escorted him out of the area and had a talk with him at the police station. But Jack never had an opportunity to talk with him. Twenty-five years later, after Jack and my dad met, They've been talking about the past. They discovered they both vacationed at Geneva on the lake. And Jack shared with him this story, and my dad said, that was me. <laughs> as uh, as uh, one friend of the Bibliophile said, Bob Hyde never had a bashful bone in his body. And uh, I would say that's true when it comes to things of, of Tarzan and Burroughs. That is definitely true. Uh, in the collect in one of the displays, I see that there's a there's a picture of my mother and father dressed up as Tarzan and Jane. That was not is not the only time that they did that. They were they were known at that time, young, before kids, uh, to show up at Halloween parties uh, dressed that way around the neighborhood. There's uh, quite a number of uh, of uh, photographs that support that. Uh, my father was a bit of a local celebrity, um, being on uh, some t uh, TV movie shows uh, in local print, and uh, he would make presentations at uh, some of the various clubs, uh, uh, Cub Scouts and things like that. Uh, uh, one of my sisters especially remembers uh, he had a display uh, window at the Greater Pittsburgh International Airport, the previous airport terminal to what we have today. and. Um, and she felt, she felt special when she was able to go out, and I remember this as well, able to go out and attend to the, to the display case uh, and then go on and uh, go out to the observation deck and watch the airplanes. Uh, she just felt, you know, it was things like this that, that made us feel uh, a little bit privileged because of, uh, because of this collection. Uh, speaking of airplanes, uh, in 1971, uh, and this is actually documented in his in his Odyssey, uh, I flew with him uh, to Boston for the Dum Dum in uh, in Boston. For me, that was very memorable uh, because Johnny Weissmiller was one of the guests there. And uh, to read uh, to quote out of his Odyssey, he writes, "My father writes, my young son at the time was blonde, so both Johnnies had white hair." Wise Miller took a liking to my son and put him on his shoulder as he walked around the meeting room. People remarked that they thought my son was Wise Miller's son. Uh, not every kid is able to grow up that way. Interestingly, and uh, this again confirmed in my father's odyssey, this was not my first, this was my first airline flight. And uh, I was so impressed with it that uh, I fell in love with jet airplanes and became an airline pilot. Uh, that's what I do for a living. Uh, again, my father was very uh, supportive of that. 
and uh, uh, he used my as you may well know he used my airline privileges to go to many of these functions over the last, over the last 20 plus years um, well-meaning as my father was in that trip uh, I fell in love with the wrong thing uh, in 74 he took the whole family to Washington DC for the uh, Dum Dum and the 32nd World Science Fiction Convention there uh, we all talked about this as we talked about uh, our memories, and we all took away from that particular trip a little something different. One of us enjoyed the monuments and all the things there are to see in D.C. One of us was taken back a bit by the uh, impact of attending the, the science fiction costume contest. Mm. Uh, <laughs> one of us was impressed in another way, a, a private premiere showing of a boy and his dog with Don Johnson uh, was shown. Uh, this particular one felt privileged to see, be able to see this film, uh, but I think that one of the girls fell in love with Don Johnson at that showing. And, oops, fell in love with the wrong thing again. Um, she also feels that she uh, was made aware of other stories that she continued to follow as she grew up. And she named, she read her remark, but in, in her words, she says that, that she became interested in these stories because of her exposure growing up in, in, in our home with my father. Star Trek, Star Wars, uh, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, uh, the Dragonheart movie, and uh, a TV show named Heroes. Reading was obviously uh, modeled and encouraged uh, in our home. Uh, some of us picked up on that, and some of us didn't, but I won't name any names. Uh, one of my sisters, however, said that she developed a love for reading and has passed that on to her children. And seeing other collector couples uh, come and visit our home uh, reinforced that. I realized that we as a family um, are a group with lesser knowledge in Burroughs things than, than you all. We did, however, grow up with this collection. And uh, as I stated at the beginning, we have a little different exposure than, than most. Uh, after moving it from it, my father's childhood home, the only, the only home this collection has ever seen was 454 Elaine Drive in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, until now. My dad was tremendously emotional over the fate of his collection. Very unfortunately, uh, he was taken very quickly from us. But I told my father on his deathbed, I promised him that I would personally deliver this to this university. And with the help of, of, of everybody here, plus a few more that haven't made it, uh, we got it here. Our job is now finished. 
And we were able to accomplish this, not only with the help of this family, uh, took us about three months <coughs> to pull it down out of its bookshelves and bookcases with the help of, of Jack Daly and Walt Albert, who actually knew what the things we were pulling down were and tried to semi-categorize uh, it uh, for, for George to receive. Um, uh, we also uh, had the help of the staff here at, uh, at the University of Louisville, specifically Delinda and, and George. On behalf of the family, I want to express that we are pleased and very happy that others have found my father's things interesting enough to provide a permanent home. His desire was to keep it together and to keep it protected. We feel fortunate that my father had established this relationship with the University of Louisville and appreciate that the collection is respected like my father would want it to, uh, would, would, would have wanted it. I know that the University of Louisville uh, is real people. Our deepest thanks go to Delinda, and she was right there, did she slip out? Oh. Our deepest thanks to you uh, for the time, countless hours spent, as you mentioned, as she mentioned, emails, telephone calls, uh, and making, facilitating uh, this university uh, to receive uh, this collection. What can be said about George McWhorter? As, as the kids say, you're the man. <laughs> Calculators have been have overheated trying to figure out the number of hours that George has put into this project. It takes a person with a passion like he has, similar to my father's, to care for this. He was there unloading as well. Oh, I, met, I forgot to mention that Delinda was carrying boxes unloading that truck. So was George. Upon completion of the moving, George announced to all the apes in the Louisville area the box collection was here. I don't know, George, are you allowed to do that inside? Oh, stop me. <laughs> Let's hear that, George. <laughs> Our expectations are very high. We trust this collection will be preserved, well maintained, and made available to others for general reading pleasure, and for study by bibliophiles and journalism students. We also hope that uh, some young people are being groomed in this very large task to care for this, for, for these collections now. Um, and a special thanks to the Burroughs Bibliophiles for all they have done as well. We don't know for sure who will visit, but George will keep track of that, and that's for sure. We hope that you all invite others to come and view both of these collections 
as uh, for these combined are the greatest Burroughs collection in the world. And at this time, I'd like I'd like to relinquish custody of the spear to George, for it is the university's collection now. The, the documentation of this spear, I haven't found any documentation. I, I believe that it was a uh, shop project in high school. If anyone can, uh, can verify that or confirm that, that would be a great conversation after the, after the ceremony. So Bob made this. Yes, he made that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're glad to have it. We'll put it in the star position in the collection. <laughs> we will have much more from the Louisville Dum Dum on the next episode of Dateline Jazz Zoom. But for now, I think that's going to do it for show number 27. In the opening of the show, you heard George McWhorter's traditional opening to the Dum Dum Banquet with his Weissmiller yodel. And we also heard Mike Conran's version of the Herman Bricks, Mangani Yell, which I thought was quite good. I'll talk to you in two weeks. This is Elmo from the Barsoomian Blade Bureau in Chicago, signing off. (laughs) 